0: The hosts of Two Board Apes are not registered investment advisors. The podcast is for entertainment and informational purposes only. Nothing said on it should be construed as investment advice.
1: Two Board Apes, talking NFTs, DeFi, and random stuff. Two
2: Board Apes, talking NFTs, DeFi, and random stuff.
0: Welcome to another episode of Two Board Apes. I'm your host, Jamie. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Roy. Roy, how are you?
2: I'm well, Jamie. I'm content. I have not eaten a huge meal.
0: Okay, good, good. <laughs> I actually, I haven't even eaten a meal. I mean, I've had two meals, I should say, but I have not eaten a meal <laughs> at all I recently. haven't
2: eaten a meal. Well, I've had two.
0: I've had more than two. I've had th- thousands of meals at this <laughs> point. But um, prior to this recording, I mm-hmm. have not recently had a meal, I should say. Okay. Which is um, uh, new listeners must just be very confused. You must hate us. <laughs> yeah. must have such
2: a huge drop-off from like...
0: Nah, I'm going <laughs> to listen this NFT 30 podcast. Seconds. Why yeah. are
2: these guys really
0: full and talking about... <laughs> this is a Twitter Q&A <laughs> episode. Q&A? We've got a yeah. lot of cues, and we're going to provide some A's. Um, yeah. And we're just going to jump right into it. I, I'll take the first one. First question comes from Mr. Trappy. Mr. Trappy says, how do you think the music industry will benefit from NFTs? What are the opportunities for musicians. This is something we touched on in another episode recently, Mm. where somebody basically just asked, what um, industries do you think are going to get disrupted the most by NFTs? And music was one that we brought up. Mm. So why don't don't you talk about that a little bit?
2: How, How do I think the music industry will benefit from NFTs? Well, the music industry as a whole, I mean, there are a lot of different participants in that industry. And I don't necessarily think that every single one will necessarily benefit from NFTs. There will be winners and there will be losers. And I think sort of the, the, the whole idea of NFTs is to make the quote-unquote winners, the people who will benefit um, with this new technology, sort of the people creating the music and like the artists, basically, and, and less so the, the middlemen uh, or the record labels. Not that record labels are unnecessary. Like they obviously provide a lot of, you know... They used resources. to provide more...
0: Is my understanding. The the AR side of it was much more significant. And now um just with the way distribution works with the internet, um, Mm. the demand is aggregated without their help for the most part.
2: Yeah. Uh so I think it will definitely benefit musicians. Like it, it just seems like Web3 is all about, you know, creator creators. And uh once we we figure out like collectively the the industry the NFT industry figures out a good way to incorporate music NFTs or maybe uh, music platforms into Web three. Then I think uh, creators will stand to benefit the most. Uh, and, and then probably whoever creates these platforms and these, um, you know, whatever it is that that helps distribute the music via Web three technology, as opposed to say the old Web two technology that. Probably some benefits for those people as well uh well what do you think
0: um yeah i, I think that's pretty accurate i think it's liable to um th- the way that demand will be um created in in web3 i think is liable to be a little bit different or um at least where where it will end up ultimately might be a little bit different like when we look at the artists in the Web3 space, there's some level of interaction between the creator and the fans that is seemingly more relevant and important in um, in the Web3 space than possible. Mean, I mean, maybe that's not true, because obviously things like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter have been very relevant for um, creatives for a while. But I, I think there's just... Um, a more direct thing with them now like in the way that maybe they used to have the publicists that were going to get them on the tonight show and the various radio stations i think i think it's all going to be a lot more direct um because the the way that you can reach a lot of people um you just don't need to go through the the existing or old existing channels such as radio and television and stuff like that you can kind of do it yourself with for instance, Twitch, YouTube, social media, or even something more your own um, that you spin up yourself that's effectively the same, but doesn't have to deal with, um, you know, millions and millions or billions of users, just you and your fans. And here's my website, you know, jamiemusichangout.com or whatever the hell. Um, so I think this it's probably going to benefit a subset of musicians that are actively engaged with their community and understand the way that you can um, just kind of know who your fans are based on getting, for instance, their F addresses from some sort of early drop and then kind of try and figure out a way to expand who listens to you but reward who listens to you and stuff like that. Um, it's going to be interesting, but it, it feels like everything that I've seen so far is very far away from ultimately what will be the solution, so to speak, solution. Um, To really empowering musicians in the space.
2: Yeah, I I agree with all of that. I think one area that we'll probably see a lot more of that we've seen a bit of is like these metaverse concerts. You know, yeah, musicians are you know performing in the metaverse with fans all around the world, and you know, from all accounts, they're like pretty cool immersive experiences, and that that's only going to get better as the
0: technology improves, right? Fortnite um, uh, I did a couple yeah. very big ones of those with um travis scott and marshmallow i believe were the two mm. huge ones that i'm aware of um yeah there'll be more stuff like that and i mean just as a maybe simple level one thing i think concert tickets will probably be either nfts or come with an nft um super frequently going forward and then again that'll just be sort of you know, in, in Web 2, a big thing as sort of an independent creator is email capture. You want to get the email addresses of your fans. And mm. I think the sort of Web 3 version of that will be getting the F addresses. Mm. And so, you know, just polygon dropping or or straight on the F mainnet, people's uh, concert tickets will be a really good way to sort of just get that baseline uh, of interaction and knowledge mm. of, of who's interested in you.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, anything else on music?
0: Um, I, I'll i just lean into, the again, the fact that I think the record labels take more of a cut than they deserve by a lot of people. Mm. And hopefully Web3 will find a way to, to decrease that or, or to force them to be better and earn mm. their share at, at the very least.
2: Yeah. All right. Next question. Praetor says, or asks... When does it become sensible to sell an NFT? (laughs) Good one. Um, (laughs) Sell an NFT you believe in because you are, quote-unquote, too concentrated in a single NFT. Uh, Mm. And then how about top five NFTs or top three NFT projects? Question mark. Trying to think about sensible risk slash portfolio management. And so many people I talk to have 85% of their portfolio in five NFTs. So I think I, I think he's asking sort of yeah like how and when do you decide to diversify your portfolio out of say uh one collection or you know a small handful of collections and you
0: yeah. sort of did this I mean the, the first bit. question is is specifically talking about one nft mm. not even not even a group from one collection um that's a very personal question i'd say um and you have to kind of look at it, I would I would argue, from two angles and respect both of them. There's this the pure financial angle where you're kind of just comparing it and, you know, how you expect it to do versus other things that you could have your money in. Um, and then sort of there's the emotional angle, which is how will you feel if it goes down and you didn't sell? How will you feel if it goes up and you sold? All, all those sorts of questions are are things that you need to be cognizant of and um you know it's can be sort of easy if you have sort of a left brain type mind to only think about the first thing but but the right side uh of that um you know the second thing that I mentioned about the emotional stuff is super legitimate and you really need to to think about it and um you know more so even if you have a significant other or or children and stuff like that that are also um reliant to some degree on you financially. So I would say um when the benefits of holding it from that first financial angle can be overshot by the negatives on that second emotional angle that's when you really need to to take a look at it um and also i would just mention there's there's ways to um sort of half asset you know you you don't necessarily have to sell the entire asset for instance if you have a ceiling-type um, grail piece in the collection, you could sell it and grab a floor Mm. one, and then you're kind of taking some money off the table, that sort of thing. Or if you have an ape, you can sell it and buy a mutant, that sort of thing. Um, It is definitely worth taking uh, into account. And then you can, a lot of times, sort of have a balance there. And the emotional side, you can't get too happy or sad, necessarily, if it goes up or down a lot, because you've just taken some off the table, and and you kind of have stayed... At the same um you're sort of staying in the, in the same place but just at a lower level
1: yeah uh
2: i i agree with all of that i'm going to run off because my alarm is going up
0: in the other room so i will be right. Back. okay i'll i'll continue to talk about it then um i think you also need to just look at like so if i go into the second or third um sort of parts of the questions Where they're talking about how about top five or top three NFTs? Um, Trying to think about portfolio management. People talking about eighty-five percent of their portfolio in NFTs. So when you say portfolio, if you're just talking about your NFT portfolio, and then you know your crypto portfolio is bigger than that, and your entire investment portfolio is bigger than that, then I would suggest that having all of your NFT portion of that wider portfolio in only five NFTs is not is not such a big deal. Whereas you know, again, if crypto or even more specifically NFTs is like 90% of all of your investments, then then yeah, you're you're looking at a situation where your diversification is possibly a little lacking. Um I do also want to just kind of use the word diversification. I don't know if you've heard this before, but basically mm. um it, it's just to warn against diversifying mm. too much because you know if, if you suck now I'll just say right off the bat, it's very hard to rank nfts in terms of how good of an investment you think it's going to be going forward because it's all so abstract and stuff like that but anyway if you can do that right and you've got you know your top 10 what is the value in putting money into your 11th best idea Mm -hmm. at some point you're diversified enough and it doesn't make sense to me to to just spread it out over more projects that you believe in less um but again, that, that that has to do with a bit of a personal preference thing, and um, also you want to look a little bit at correlation. Um, I, I would think mm. so. Stuff like profile picture projects tend to move together a little bit. Metaverse land tends to move together a little bit, and so you know you want to look at where your different top projects in your portfolio are coming from in terms of how much can you expect if things go bad. Will these all go bad together, or will it only go bad you know for some of them?
2: yeah, that's a really, really good point actually. Uh, i I, pr- I agree with everything you said, and I think that diversification is just it's a really cool term. I'm definitely stealing it, and I think <laughs> it makes a lot of sense because we're seeing, um, as time goes on, like people are in so many projects now that it's hard to keep track of them, and you end up like not getting the most out of the projects that you're in because you miss a free claim, you miss a giveaway, you miss this that, yeah, the other that's the thing too. It, it, it just like there's diminishing returns to an extent. Plus, also, there's just like this mental drain, which is like nagging in the back of your mind. You're like, "Oh, I should check the announcements for that Discord." Yeah. I and then I when know I'm behind to... on
0: this project. Yeah. I need to figure yeah. out what they've been doing.
2: So I would say I I don't think it's a bad thing to have a small basket of projects that you have high conviction in, and and have like the majority of your portfolio allocated to that. So three to five. That that's probably fine. Um at the low end, I probably wouldn't go lower, like maybe let's say three to 10. And I think keeping in mind what you raised before though, like if you have say only five NFT projects that you want to sort of go heavy on basically, um, try and make them not all PFP projects, like pick a generative art sector, like art blocks, pick a PFP project or two, pick a gaming project, a metaverse land project, Mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe like a music, something else. And then, yeah, I mean, just really stay on top of those projects, and I think, as well, it, it will probably also give you uh, a better inkling, perhaps, of when to sell and when to get out. Like, it, if a project, it, like again, I'll, I'll use myself. I'm in just entirely too many projects. I, I literally don't know some of the projects that I'm in, and so the, there's no chance that I will know when to sell. I, I might not even know that the price is pumping, some big news drops. But if you're in like you know five, five projects, ten projects. You can keep a closer eye on them and and sort of time yourselves better and and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to add a little bit more to this because this reminds me of something that <coughs> happened with me in in my um, stock investing at some point. And, and this took a long time and has to do with knowing yourself. But ultimately, I found that I was making a lot more mistakes with selling than I was with buying. And I was basically getting into companies for good reason that I basically believed in long-term, but then, you know, I would buy it and it would go up 40% for instance, um, over the course of six months. And it would sort of just feel like, you know, I I expected it to go up 20% over the course of a year, year after year. And so it's like outpacing that. Um, Mm. And so I was just fine. I was basically Finding myself selling stuff that was good too early, and then looking back on it in regret. And so I found that for me at some point, possibly it would be good to do this sort of diversification thing to where you know if I had five percent of my portfolio in this company versus twenty percent of my portfolio in this company, it would be easier for me to let it continue to to get gains for me over the long run rather than go, oh, I should really take some off the table or I should really think about selling this. Um, and so I made a sort of a conscious decision at that point to just have more positions and be conscious of the fact that I'm going to not sell these when they go up um, for the most part. You know, Obviously, if you're looking at sort of a, an asset play versus an earning play, that's a, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in order to capture some of those really big gains of, of things that keep going up, um, you know, if it starts off as 25% of your portfolio and it really outpour- outperforms the other stuff, it's going to be 90% of your portfolio soon and you'll sort of just have to sell it. I mean, that would be a great problem to have. But, mm. um, you know, in, ter- in terms of the more realistic expectations, sometimes it can be nice to be spread out. If your goal is really long term and you don't want to be constantly getting in and out of things and, and shuffling, to have mm. it kind of just be spread out so that when something's doing awesome, you can go it's doing awesome but I'm just going to keep letting it do awesome and yeah. if it pulls back from here that's fine cuz you know it it wasn't a life-changing amount of money that I could have sold it mm. for. So you know, this sort of goes against what we were talking about with the diversification thing, but it's more a specific thing of knowing what you are um maybe vulnerable to in, in terms of investing. What what are you um what are you afraid of? You doing, or what have you noticed in the past have been your flaws, and then kind of going forward and looking how, how can I set myself up to not fall into that sort of trap again?
2: Mm. Yeah, no, you make some really great points.
0: Like I for think, you, it's, yeah. it's having too much stuff. So, how can I avoid that? Stop minting so much new stuff.
2: <laughs> I'm and tr- it's am trying to me. do this in <laughs> <I> September. <know. laughs> um, I, I do mint way less now than I used to, which, yeah. yeah.
0: It um, but you're still buying. Yeah, and I need to start
2: selling stuff, but then there's tax reasons to not sell, et etc. Cetera, et cetera. Which, you know, that, that's a good point though. Like think about the tax implications as well. Like if you are in a project that you have a lot of conviction in, that has run up a lot and is now the majority of your portfolio. Um, maybe if you have that conviction, it might make sense just to hold for another six months, wait till the year is out and then sell and then diversify, I think. Be yeah, If about you're your looking taxes. at the
0: difference between short term gains and long term yeah. gains, and that's all going to depend on where, where you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. But, but obviously, taxes is part of a financial selling decision mm. that you should think about.
1: Yeah.
2: I think, um, yeah. Ultimately, it is a very like personal decision. It depends on your, your risk tolerance, your goals, all that kind of jazz. Right. But yeah. did I, did, you did you hear what really I was talking experience. about when
0: you walked away? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay.
0: So, so that stuff, all, all is relevant too in terms of when you're talking about how concentrated your NFT portfolio is. Again, like mm. how mu- how relevant is your NFT portfolio and your overall yeah. financial sphere is very relevant, I believe. Yeah. Into you know how much risk you should be comfortable taking and all that stuff. How concentrated you can okay.
2: be. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, um, yeah. Just a point that you made that I want to reiterate as well is if and when it's possible to sell an nft and then use that money to like buy back into the ecosystem for that project so you still mm-hmm. have some exposure that is a really good option. Definitely, um, yeah. yeah it, it, again, I, if it.
0: if you're concerned about having too much right. in this one project but yeah. you believe in the project definitely that's a, that's a great way to, to yeah. approach it. Um yeah. one, one other thing we've talked about with similar questions before um is that if if you're in a situation where you can continue to add money to this portfolio or you're in a position where you need to somewhat regularly take money out of this portfolio. Again, those are just things that you definitely want to keep that in mind and take into account in, in, in all of these types of things. Cause it's just different if it's a portfolio that you don't need to touch, or if it's one that you can add to, or if it's one where you go, my wife and I are taking a trip in six months and I told her $7,000 from this portfolio (laughs) is coming from it. Like, yeah, don't, don't just add, you don't have to take that out um yeah. keep that in mind
1: all right
2: i think we we answered that
0: we did uh next question comes from dato dato says sort of looking like this sort of looking like this won't other side be sure to disappoint oh and then he says uh shows a clip That's from a, yes. Elden ring which which are slash some triple a game excuse triple me game. yeah so they're basically just saying um and this is sort of a valid criticism we've certainly seen of previous gaming and Metaverse projects to where they just don't look physically impressive in the way that a lot of AAA games do. Um, and there's definitely amount an amount of validity to that. I would say also though, you want to keep in mind that um, you know a lot of like, for instance, Pokemon games they they, they aren't the top of the line three dimensional mm-hmm. rendered graphics with the greatest light effects and all that stuff. So in terms of the enjoyment of a a gaming experience, graphics is definitely only a part of that. And it has to, in my mind, it has to do with, you know, thematically and, um, you know, it it just, it has to match the gameplay. So um, I'm not necessarily sure that in, you know, what we're sort of thinking of the metaverse or this, the other side, you know, for the, um, that, the Yugo built one that having it be as photorealistic as possible mm-hmm. is really the goal. Um, but yeah, they're going to have to make it not look bad. That, that's for yeah. sure true.
2: I think, I mean, it all, it all comes down to expectations, right? When you're talking about is it going to disappoint? It's what are you expecting and what are people expecting? And, and also the timeline. Like, is this a game that we or a metaverse place that we think is going to be out in a year or are we just like a three to five year type thing? I'm not sure that we know that yet.
0: Um, but also, I would assume, yeah. uh, get updated over time,
2: right? Yeah, like they could launch a like the basic version and, and like iterate upon it and, and increase the graphics as the technology increases yeah. as they have more time. Uh, I mean, personally speaking, I have almost never cared about the graphics of a game in terms of the enjoyment. I, I, that I still get.
0: watch Brood War, and the graphics <laughs> on that are brutal.
2: StarCraft One, which is I mean, they out in the they remastered
0: it, so it looks yeah. better, but it's still not pretty
2: right yeah and i mean th- there's huge industries of like indie games pixelated games um just people are just yeah, yeah the, the games for the sake of the 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 strategic elements the and the fun of the game yeah, the gameplay rather but certainly obviously you know some people love games with great graphics because of that and and enjoy games more when the graphics are excellent uh i i think personally i'm not expecting great graphics i think it would be um yeah, I mean I don't know what to expect from the quote unquote game really, but I'm just hoping that it's fun and yeah, I, so I don't the, really care what it looks like.
0: The, this person is sort of specifically asking about other side, which I think is mm. not meant to be the game. Right, right. Um the interoperable metaverse. Mm. But um I think that it's it's um, you know, people can be very impressed with graphics and still not like a game. And I feel like bad graphics is not really a thing that that people um, feel like ruins a game necessarily. Mm. Like poorly done in the sense that like uh, objects that are meant to be hard right. are going through each other. That kind of thing it n- is not appreciated by almost anybody. Um, yeah. But in terms of graphics being the absolute best rendered uh, thing needing the the best gpu to run it um the biggest monitor to see all those pixels mm. I, I don't i don't think that that has ever really been what has attracted me to games um you know certainly a, as all that stuff gets better and you see a trailer for a new upcoming one you go wow that looks great but yeah. what keeps you coming back to it, it it or keeps me coming back to it is not that and i think um that's not necessarily the goal for this and you said you're not expecting great graphics. I would just again I, I would specify I'm not expecting the most realistic and and um, mm. most polygons or whatever graphics, but they they might still be great in a just mm. a cartoonish, fun, right, whatever yeah. type way. Uh, yeah, but, but it's 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 so weird because you know when we talk about these VR worlds, these metaverse lands, it's like it's so theoretical mm. and we don't even really know what an ideal or fun experience in them would be like, but it does seem like it's going to be so much theoretically again about the social element to it. um, And going to, for instance, like these concerts that you talked about earlier in the episode and and just various social experiences like that, rather than um, maybe what we're getting from traditional games. Although of course, you know, people who've played MMOs and stuff will talk Mm. about, the social element of it in a big way, obviously, and and have for decades at this point. Yeah, um, but I think, I think we're just trying to take it to one more level with the with the ownership. Yeah,
2: when we're we're looking at it as like other other side of the metaverse as well. If we look at the current versions of what we know of as metaverses, we have Sandbox, we have Decentraland, we have uh, Crypto Voxels, we have some space. None of them have these AAA title graphics, you know. Right. And even like NFT Worlds, Minecraft, or like a, the graphics aren't. Yeah, bet, Minecraft Elden is a culture. great
0: example of like yeah. the most popular game <laughs> in the entire world, or Roblox. And it's basically is another a metaverse. One. Yeah. 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 Roblox is another one where it's just the, the graphics are intentionally not great, so yeah. to speak. Um, but it's still, I, I really got to stop <laughs> holding my health insurance card. In my it's head. better
2: than a pocket knife.
0: Probably. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> I guess I don't really, I don't think people can steal health insurance from you, but whatever. Um, uh, all right. Next question.
2: Katina Tor says, asks, can you share some tips and strategies on how to organically build a community for an NFT project when you're starting from scratch? Also, do you think it's possible to keep keep up engagement and effectively share information with your community without building a Discord server? I, I think that the latter, the sec- second part of that, it's, it's tough in the NFT space to uh, keep up engagement Without a Discord server, I think you can effectively share information via a website and via a Twitter account. Um, but in terms of like engaging and having that like back and forth interaction, it, it to me seems way easier and better uh, via Discord than Twitter. And, and like you, you could use another platform and application, doesn't have to be Discord, but something other than Twitter and a website, I think.
0: Right now, though, if if you're getting existing NFT users, it kind of has to be Discord. I feel yeah. like I think yeah. long term it it completely doesn't. Um, mm. But to some degree, it, you know, it's almost like asking, you know, it, I want to run a a person uh, or a business to consumer business without having an internet presence. It's like you could do it,
2: yeah. But yeah. It's just
0: at at this point, the the best way to reach those people in this way or whatever, you know. Um, you, you just got to kind of go through these existing channels. Yeah, that analogy wasn't great, but you get the idea. <laughs> I get the idea. Uh,
2: tips and strategies on organically building a community for an NFT project starting from scratch. Uh,
1: I think I, coming up with something thematic that brings people together that
2: they can sort of um, rally around, rally behind is a good first point. Like. It's hard to build a community just going, "Hey, I want to build a community." But right. if you say, "I'm going to launch a PFP project around these cool left-facing blue cats," then that just immediately gets people talking about the cats and the art and and having fun. Um, same with apes or like a game. People get excited about a game or like the lore and the story and whatever it is. If it, even if it's like an a, piece of analytics software and, and a platform, it's like people start chatting about that and and you know uh, you know helping each other. And I think that's like the starting point. And then in terms of like building it more and more. I think it's like being there, being present, interacting with the community day in and day out for hours and hours and hours and and just keeping that engagement high. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, building, providing something of value, I think, is relevant. I mean, I is it fair to say that your following was built um, super largely through your daily floor updates on Twitter for a long time? People really yeah. enjoyed it. People really got value out of it. And it was just, you know, everybody listening to this podcast probably knows how hard it is to keep up with the NFT space. It was easier back then, but it was still too difficult for a sane working or going to school human being just flat out. And you were, you know, as much as is possible, (laughs) keeping abreast of the entire thing, aggregating this data on a regular basis and providing it and some commentary that went along with it over and over and over again and that helped you build an audience because you were providing something that we all needed or wanted in in a consistent way and you know doing something like that and now like this matt w tez guy is doing a similar thing but for you know just this subset fx because now things are getting so big
1: (laughs) yeah he's (laughs)
0: trying to do the same sort of thing but just for fx ash projects and it's still obviously too overwhelming for him to Really comprehensively doing, mm. but he's he's providing a great service, and now he's he's literally building a community of people that care about FX Hash. Um, yeah, and so you kind of have to look at like what what is your goal? Um, if you just want to build a community because like you want a community, you maybe you should be a cult leader or something like that. But like <laughs> you, you, if you have a particular interest um, or point of view in the space, you know you can craft it around that by bringing those people to you by providing value to them you know on, uh, on the internet yeah. where you can just distribute it really easily and then people will come to you over time.
2: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Uh, figuring out how to provide value in one form or another. Like just information is power in this space. And if you can provide good information in a new, unique way or just like a easily digestible way, that's, that, that will go a long way to getting people coming back Talking about that information, uh, but again, if if you want to launch, if it's just really cool art that you know is different or it strikes people differently, you can get you can build a community around that. Like that, there are some uh, a lot of you know one of one artists have done a really excellent job of you know all they do well not all they do but their thing is they release <laughs> all, all they do is just write, create some yeah. art and so that's the entire life entire life work. No, but like what 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 they do is they you know release art, but it's not just you know. Hey, I'm just going to put some art up on Foundation or OpenSea and then tweet it. It's like they will engage with the collectors and and you know, start in in many cases start a Discord so other collectors can meet each other and talk about the art that they're buying and enjoying and collecting as well as other things in the space probably that if you get 50 people together that have all bought art from the same artist, chances are they're going to get along. They're they're going to have other common interests and and that's a pretty good way to build a community right um, uh, certainly
0: yeah. art would be an interest um uh you, you also want to like not give up like it's not super easy it's going to take time right yeah um yeah. for for instance like x copy we all know who x copy is he's arguably the biggest artist in the entire space um but he's been doing art and selling them as nfts since so long before yeah. anybody cared about nfts and he was selling them for €one year, one dollar like,
2: all um year,
0: yeah. and he was doing that for a long time he did it for literally years before yeah. it started being something where where it was lucrative for and now it's crazily lucrative um yeah. but you know people might see that now and go oh i want to do that as mm-hmm. a an artist or be some other yeah. thing um and, and not realize how long it took for x copy to do that how consistently x copy had to work to do that and how just insane and crazy. He looked at. I mean, when we when we would just tell people that we were interested in NFTs last year, when it was yeah. already so much bigger than it had ever been before, people were like, "You're yeah. stupid." Right-click, save, all of this yeah. stuff. And X Copy was making and selling NFTs in 2016. Like it, that's crazy. um And so it's just the, you have to stick with it, and it's not necessarily easy.
2: Yeah. The 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 crypto space thought nft's were crazy and silly and, and not. A lot of like, them still do, too.
0: <laughs> yes. You know, it's it's not mainstream still even though it's a lot yeah. closer than it ever was. Um but yeah, I mean he's X copy spent years doing that.
2: Yeah. Uh all right. Mm, I think you're up.
0: Yes, we got a question from Moo Booties. I'm not sh- sure if that's how that's pronounced. They said, "Which NFT collection if it came to life?" would be the biggest threat to the human species. Now, I, I, I'm I, just going to say I love this question. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> but I wish I had seen it ahead of time so I could put some thought into it. Mm.
2: I, I did see it ahead of time, but I have not put some, Here, any here's, thought here's into here's it. Here's
0: a quick one. the What is it? The Kai, Kaigen monsters from Art Blocks, where it's basically oh, just like a bunch of Godzilla things. things. That that would be pretty terrible. <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> there's been a lot of like various alien projects Profile yeah. projects, um, like, I uh, what was that really early one where it was kind of like three D render? No, oh,
1: uh, really early.
0: It was like I'mo gen or something weird like that. Is that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a, yeah, something like that. Um, but definitely, I would think some sort of alien one where that where their technologies like you know Protoss level sophistication, <laughs> um, would be very threatening to the human species.
2: I'm looking through just the open sea top
1: eight like collections now. Kaiju Kings, maybe like these. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Too bad. Maybe like some sort of cyborg. You know related. what else you got to think
0: about is just numbers. Oh, you know what's what could be rough? Mm. The what's the meta heroes one from um, Pixel Vault? Like, yeah. If they all just went bad, that would be real bad. You don't want like a bunch of Avengers or whatever going evil.
2: Yeah, that. that yeah, uh, uh, superheroes.
0: Right, supervillains. Yeah. I guess they would be right. Super
2: villains. What about like uh the Forgotten Runes wizards cult? Like wizards. That's yeah. yeah those could, can be nasty. Oh,
0: I also saw. Um, you know, punk derivatives are just a big thing. Somebody did like a uh, a terrorist version of them, basically. Um. Okay. So uh, th- terrorism. I, I'll go out on a limb. I don't. I'm not crazy about it. You know, I found terrorism. Think, yeah, but. Again, they exist already. So we're, I guess it's not the worst, right? We <laughs> surely we can think of something that's worse and more dangerous to humanity yeah. than something that we already deal with. Um, uh, but more of them would not be great necessarily. I just posted 100%. the email that had all the questions.
2: Oh boy! Roy is
0: on the record is saying 100. percent He does not want more terrorists. Okay, that's, that's
2: uh, good.
0: Well, not not too controversial.
2: Nothing too crazy. <clears throat> um.
0: What what about oh there was that um some female musician who who I don't know that's like does big concerts, did like a big uh dragons drop with the eggs and oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. That could uh, be Wonder mad.
0: it wasn't Wonder. What was Oh, it? you know what? Those galaxy warriors too, those things look like they could m- they could mess stuff up. That's like a almost sort of a Star Wars y galactic um
1: mm-hmm. threatening thing. What there do you think like would spy- be the least threatening?
0: that's a good one um uh, <laughs> I was gonna say cool cats, but when they, you see their full bodies they get like a little bit bigger, you know they're okay. even though they're pretty cute, I feel like they're i they're meant to be human sized, which is actually quite scary uh <laughs>
2: um, pals are pretty pretty cute,
0: oh, uh, you know what pudgy penguins seem like they're not yeah. too threatening, you know. Yeah. If it's just even if it's hot out, they'd probably all just die, right? They need it to be cold. And with global warming, they'll they will they will have nowhere to live in 70 years. <laughs>
2: uh they have they even have like the, the baby penguins, which is just like the pudgy penguins, right. but like <laughs> a quarter just, of the oh size. <laughs>
0: uh
2: what about the littles? Like it's in the name, they're just littles. Yeah, more little like chromy
0: squiggles. No, those aren't gonna hurt anybody, right? Although you remember the Beeple, actually, where it was pudgy penguins yeah. and the the squiggles, the it squiggle. almost seemed like they were threatening to the to the penguins there.
2: Yeah. All right. I just I just saw there's something um, on train
0: monkeys had uh, like desserts. A,
1: a, yeah, desserts. Yeah, and, and so the, those pancakes. are oh,
0: shoot. those are like their their version of serums, basically. But yeah, a couple of popsicles and cakes. That's that's not going to hurt yeah. anybody. Well, <laughs> I mean, if you're diabetic, I guess. Donut
2: here. Yeah. All right, we should, uh, we should probably move on. Okay. Uh, Colin Anglin-Ram says, how do you think decentralized education systems will affect the distribution of information? In turn, do you believe, do you believe that will affect our rate of evolution or global wealth distribution?
0: Mm, I'm going to go grab a cup of water because I forgot to bring it in the room with me. You can, you can start.
2: Okay. How do you think decentralized education systems will affect the distribution of information? I think education, uh, it, the, just the the better the, the more decentralized it can be, and the more uh, available the the content can be to more people, just the better. I, I think it's going to speed up. Uh, I, I mean, the rate of evolution is big, but I think in terms of just you know it it will educate more people more quickly which can only be a good thing and in in terms of like a decentralized education system i think that it's just like a really interesting way to phrase it um it's we've sort of already i think been seeing that happening over the last 10 to 20 years with the internet uh, like education used to be fairly centralized it still is like you you'd you get your education from a school and then from a university Uh, And then now we start having like online courses and, and, you know, various universities make their, some of their courses, um, like they record them and make them available for anyone to watch. I remember like seven years ago, I watched a Yale course on game theory. And it was just like a free 10 lecture course that anyone could watch. And I think that level of, uh, like that's starting to get to like decentralized open source. And that's great. That's just fantastic. And I think just... As we move further, was, and further, there was a time where sphere. Yale
0: was centralized within a campus in, yeah, uh, what is it, Connecticut, right? And so you had to literally be there, um, and, and then you know they probably had online classes just for their students, mm-hmm. and then you could be and, that, and now you don't even need to necessarily go there to um, take part. it. I would also just argue if you um, maybe take the definition of education down just a notch, like people who have narrower knowledge uh troughs that's a terrible word uh perviews something <laughs> help me out right god damn but people uh, who people who are not professors right are still people that know things that other people mm-hmm. may want to know right and so you have a lot of people on youtube that can just as a mm-hmm. for instance like fix my automatic garage door you know it's it's not yeah. working so someone else out there has had that problem and has put the solution on the internet that that's kind of a legitimate, I mean, a lot of times you had to, in the olden days, like look up into the manual for the thing that you had bought and, and call a hotline and hope to God that this person making Mm. minimum wage was going to be able to fix your problem. And now there's just a lot of people that have for free put their knowledge out into the world and you can access it anywhere with the internet. Um, Wikipedia is just a really great shining example of, of how humanity has, Done that, um, and there's a there's obviously some level of centralization to it in terms of the the moderating and stuff like that. But
2: now you're you're you've gone on the record and and said that numerous times. I saw
0: the I saw the smirk in your face. <laughs> and I, I knew something was coming.
2: Jamie believes that he can watch a YouTube video <laughs> on, on uh, it's a, a qualified it's a surgeon hypothet- performing a open heart surgery. It's a hypothetical. And he would be video. able to perform successful open heart surgery. Like well, how here, hard is that
0: everybody that (laughs) hang on a second hang on a second it's a hypothetical not not that one youtube actually exists that could do it but that theoretically you know one could now everybody that has ever successfully done heart surgery at one point in their life had not done it right Mm -hmm. and they learned how to do it over a period of time through some sort of combination of hearing things seeing things touching all that good stuff right I'm just saying, Uh there. It seems possible that you could you could get that all into a singular video. And again, now hang on a second. (laughs) This is a ridiculous position that I've been mocked for by a lot of intelligent people. So I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to get too strong about it. But it was also a it's a narrow thing that I was talking about. I'm not just saying you could bring in some (laughs) random person that oh something's wrong with their heart. You got to operate. No, no, no. the The video is showing me the exact specimen, the exact human being I'm dealing with, with the exact problem that i need to do and so to me it seems like you know you cut them open there's like something wrong over here you (laughs) fucking slice it you so i don't i don't know what heart surgery entails but if you put it in the youtube video uh, so anyway and then i talked to our friend matt who's an actual doctor and the thing that he was trying to convey to me was that like there's some microscopic level of truth to what i'm saying but in terms of like knowing how much pressure it takes Mm -hmm. to make the proper incisions and all that shit like there's just you can't convey that over just a video without me having some sort of right. physical practice on cadavers or, or synthetic stuff. And so I, I guess like the patient would probably it's probably not going to go well for the patient. Let's just put that out there. <laughs> but I also did read about um, this is so <laughs> crazy. But there was some guy. Um, have you seen Catch Me If You Can? Mm-hmm. I, I have not. So that's not a great way to start this. But there was some guy who is a similar scam artist type. <laughs> And he basically was in the Navy and pretended to be a surgeon and literally, this is a true thing, just like studied the shit out of a medical textbook and then did some surgery successfully. So if he can do that with books, I don't see why I can't do it with a really, really thorough YouTube video. The the end.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, man. I don't know where to begin. This
0: is good. Oh. Find find a place and begin.
2: (laughs) You sort of touched on it with like not knowing the pressure, but there's there's physical skill involved as well. Like yeah. y- your hand can't be shaken. You got to know. Look at, look at this.
0: Know. This is for. Our...
1: I mean, that is rock steady.
2: Jamie is holding his hand up to the camera, and it is. It just. It just wave it a bit, and then now um, he's. Just, yeah.
0: I, by the way, I, many times I've had splinters. I take them out all by myself. So I don't know. That's something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We're gonna get so many
0: <laughs> i'm really cracking have myself any, up today <laughs>
2: oh boy if we have any doctors or surgeons listening to this they're gonna they're gonna be taking issue i think
0: yeah no i mean craig and sean both definitely don't agree with my position on this <laughs> all right um <laughs>
2: nor does oh, every, every single friend
0: of mine who's a system. doctor does not believe in this
2: uh-huh
0: but the, that that's because they want us to think that they're like these gods that stand above us with these unlearnable skills that you can't get from YouTube. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh.
0: oh, crap. Uh, should we go on to the next question, or are we not? We got very sidetracked here. We did. We were talking about, like, de- decentralized education. education systems. Oh, okay, I yeah, think we, we, I we touched on it. We oh. did, but the other stuff, like, about... Um, global wealth distribution and, and yeah. are not really
1: uh but I, I
2: think it will help global wealth distribution let me say yes I think what does what does Web three
0: mean to you though I mean I, it I assume will, it means to lift up the people at the bottom
2: right it, it yeah. will uh it will distribute wealth more equilaterally
0: Equitable. Equ- equitably Yeah, I I would pick equitably, equitably, but equitably uh, is a better word. I'm no heart surgeon,
1: so (laughs) (laughs) boy, oh boy, oh boy, not Uh, yet. Yes,
2: we're sort of seeing that in the form of uh just the web three space and NFTs as it is already. Like, uh, there are people in the Philippines in Southeast Asia playing Axie Infinity and making a good wage.
0: specifically. Yeah, there,
2: there are a lot of artists from um Thailand or from. I don't know, anywhere in the world where say cost of living is, is significantly lower than uh, Germany, right. America or Australia, um, who are finding opportunities and making good money because of the possibilities of
1: web 3
0: I think, I think it's that. similar to the way globalization has sort of worked in general, is that you know, you have somebody in a poor country and they provide this labor to to, to make something and eventually it gets into the hands over here of an American consumer. But in between, you have to pay the factory owner over mm-hmm. there, you have to pay the person that's shipping it, you got to pay the goddamn capitalists over here in America that want to make a profit on it. And so like, the, there's so many steps between the person in, in the poorer country and the person in the richer country that um, extracts away so much of the value that the initial person is providing to the last person that when you get into this better Web3 space where you're able to just extract away all of those middle people, um, you you can really actually have the, the end consumer spending the same or less and providing much more of a benefit to the life um, and livelihood of the person in the poorer country um, but because there's just less people that need to get a taste of that along the way. There's like the Ethereum miners and that's it, you know?
2: Yeah. And, and they're going away soon as well. We got proof of stake coming.
1: cool um evolution that's a whole different
0: can of worms yeah um it, it it's it is weird to, this we're about to talk about evolution um <laughs> <laughs> like there's such a difference to me uh, in um you know what i would sort of call organic evolution that just sort of happens in the natural world and this um non-natural selection that happens when we just sort of put our very human um how do i put this uh I don't know when we just put human pressures on, on whether people are able to survive and procreate and, and are desirable and stuff mm. like that is very different in my mind from the, the um, sort of evolution that was happening 38,000 years ago. You know what I mean? Um, so in terms of talking about it speeding up or whatever, we, we can make bottlenecks that, that speed up so to speak evolution in a big way. Um, that speeds up literally a million times faster than it ever was, um you know, g- like golden retrievers or whatever like they 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 have colonized the entire world because humans love them, and they they probably would never have existed without us, never mind, be this successful of a species um same thing with things like wheat and grass or whatever like the, this is this is ridiculous, I'm just this is loving it that empty podcast. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's st- let's stop talking about the speed of evolution and move on to the next question.
2: You know, it's funny. I was going to say maybe we wrap it up there and we we play. What am I thinking?
0: Okay, let's do one more question and then play. One it, okay? more question.
2: uh this is yours, I think.
0: Yeah. TDF says, how do you have the security of a cold slash hardware wallet to store high value in or long term hold NFTs if they're membership ones like Zen Academy or Rug Radio, for example? When a lot of times you need to connect the Excuse me, connect the wallet holding the NFTs to glean the benefits of holding them?
2: Is an excellent question. Uh, I think it's basically one of the issues in the space at the moment that uh to have good security and and to practice good security, best security practices, um, you wanna hold your NFTs in a cold wallet, but then to interact with uh say a Discord server to verify or to claim a free mint, or whatever it might be, you often have to connect your wallet to a website, and you you don't want to connect your cold hardware wallet. So then what do you do? You can transfer it back to your hot wallet, and then use it, and then transfer And that's very clunky and costs gas. Um, Basically, there's not a good solution yet. I am aware of several people or platforms working on solving this exact issue, because it's like technically not that difficult to basically have it set up where you You can can, prove that you right you prove that you own like if you if i own wallet a and b i can have say an erc20 token in a like or like a ghost token in wallet a and b that proves that they're connected uh i'm doing a really bad job of explaining this but it has to do with
0: like zero knowledge proofs and stuff like that yeah
2: i I don't think it's even that sophisticated but yeah there's definitely ways to do it
0: a vaguely uh, mm. related concept at least yes. is my understanding yeah. because you can basically prove that you control a wallet without actually interacting directly mm. with that contract with that wallet but yeah. just to give more um current and practical mm. answers to the question um you can like you said do things like transfer it out of the cold wallet um so you don't actually have to interact with uh you know Contracts That you may or may not trust and do it back. The other thing you can sort of do. And again, it it all kind of just depends on how secure you want to be, because once you start doing stuff with it, you're you're taking your wallet from being completely cold and heating it up somewhat. Right. But Mm -hmm. you can do things like um, interact with it. For instance, if you had an ape and you wanted to mint the mutant, you could do that sort of thing. And then immediately after you can look at your um, approvals and revoke them, stuff like that. To, you know, try and get the benefits, but then cut off at the past mm-hmm. the, the possible exploits that would come later on down the road fr- from having done those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, yeah, it's a good question because ultimately there's not really a perfect answer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it kind of has to do with what you're comfortable with and, and what level of um, risk and security you're willing to deal with. And again, the value of things, you know, for instance, they're talking about like the Zen Academy one Um, in a sort of big average NFT person's portfolio. The Zen Academy Genesis token, at least right now, is something that you could probably be more comfortable having in a somewhat hotter wallet and Mm -hmm. connecting it. so You can have access to the server and then have your much more expensive things in the thing there. I'm not actually sure. I think it depends on the specific project ones where you would. Um, you know sort of prove your thing and then can you continue to have a verified role even if you then transfer it back to your mm. actual cold wallet stuff like that Th- that that can kind of be a case by case basis
2: yeah no you're absolutely right it, it, it
1: varies person to person and I, I would say that um, if like d- yeah it, it's it's good practice to have both a hot wallet and a cold
2: wallet. A hot wallet for like your day to day interacting with mint sites and, you know, everything. And then you transfer your so you you generally don't want to mint from your cold wallet. You want to transfer to your cold wallet. Um and then like you said, if if it is something you anticipate using on a more regular basis, maybe you just keep that in your hot wallet. Right.
0: Um, and, and it's it just a, a, a risk. small risk you're taking on. Um, the other thing is that some people um Especially with really high value stuff like apes, they just they consciously forego some value so they don't have to take on the risk. And 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 that's a practical reality that you have to sort of think about: is that you can't necessarily get all of the benefits um, without taking on some of the the risk. Mm-hmm. You like are an expert solidity dev and can read every contract. Uh, and signature that you interact with and and provide and stuff like that, which is you know none of us basically. You wouldn't be th- this person certainly wouldn't be asking that question if they were that. Um, but yeah, but I, that's basically I, the only way to avoid it, right?
2: Yeah. Well, even then, it's just like so. I ha- I recorded a YouTube video. Yeah, I recorded a YouTube video a few weeks ago uh, with a person backseats.eth, and they've been in the space since I think 2013 or earlier. They're a solidity dev. They've coded their own thing. They they know smart contracts back and forth. And this was just after the OpenSea hack thing, or like not the the where everyone thought OpenSea was you know the contracts were you know hacking people and and um there was a, this phishing attempt and I was like you know how do you know what to sign in MetaMask and we went through in real time because he hadn't seen a, like an OpenSea transaction with their new contracts like the Wyvern thing right and it popped up and he was like. See, I have no idea what this means. Yes, it's very <laughs> unreadable for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you, yeah, even if you're an absolute expert, there's there's limitations and and that's where like it comes to taking a step back and and taking some like every time you do interact with anything, using a hot wallet or any wallet, there's some level of risk that Something is right. going to go awry.
0: I, I, um, I've heard specifically yeah. on Solana, a lot of people advocate. Basically, you make a new wallet every time you plan on minting from something because mm-hmm. it's so untrustworthy of a, of a like a, a dev space or whatever that. When you mint from a contract, you shouldn't be confident at all, and you definitely right. don't want to connect it to like any wallet that has anything of value in it. So, I, I would just you know again sort of argue that um, try and Try and think about coldness and hardness, uh coldness and hotness of wallets more in terms of levels rather than just this is my cold, this is my hot. Realize that there's probably gonna be some like you don't wanna act like a moron with your hot wallet, right? Even though it's your hot wallet, you still wanna yeah. be like conscious of what you're clicking and all that good stuff. And and that's mm-hmm. another thing actually we should say is that a lot of the stuff that you need to be wary of is not necessarily where your um using your your crypto or your, or your metamask or whatever it's just it's just clicking random links regularly in yeah. terms of um, you know if, if your if your computer is compromised, then they can compromise mm-hmm. uh, your, your keys and stuff like that. so it's not necessarily all about signing transactions. it's kind of a little bit about computer security in general rather than just specifically anytime you're using your wallet.
1: Yeah, no 100 percent agree with that. Yeah, I, I think that kind of covers that. Is it time for what am I thinking? Well, I think it is. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing?
0: I'm looking around the room for something to inspire me to think of something. Mm.
2: I always start off that way, and then I try
0: and go outside. Not do it, yeah,
2: oh. yeah. But then, then I'm like, I'm thinking about like what's just outside my apartment, like grass, and it's just like Munich. One, two, three, yeah. Munich.
1: <laughs> Okay, I got one. Uh, I do not yet. Um all right, I got one.
0: Three, two, one, Caesar. Big toe. Oh boy. Those feel pretty far <laughs> away. Caesar and big toe. Oh my goodness. Um okay.
1: Mm. Okay. Three, two, one, sandal. Back. Sandal mm. and back. Ooh, we flipped. <laughs> Sandal and back. Okay. I've got mm. something. Okay. Three, two, one, toga. Shirt. Toga. Oh, toga. And shirt. You're very on the the Caesar toga thing. and shirt. Okay, I mean I've got a word. <clears throat> uh Sure. Three, two, one, clothing. clothing. Boom. We're getting good. We're
0: getting yeah. good. This uh this has been another episode. Do the things. Cooperate. Talking NFTs, NFT. Twitter QA. Q&A. Um yeah. we got nothing to say.
1: Thanks for listening, right? Yeah, thank you. Um we'll 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 ask people to Go just, Celtics. Uh,
0: How about that? Go Celtics. Go Celtics? they're awesome go,
2: uh post malone you know i'm, I'm a new fan.
0: oh post malone <laughs> holy cow yeah go, go listen to post malone's music that's that's what we want from him <laughs> can you um, name one of his songs by the way no perfect okay uh thanks for listening all right thanks bye two boys talking nfts
1: DeFi and some random stuff, two bored apes talking NFTs, DeFi and some random stuff.